whatever the case may be. We come in here different days, sometimes of the week, some of us always on Sunday. You come in with just different stuff. Um, this isn't anything that I have not told you or you guys haven't heard from me before. But with that being said, um, there's puzzle pieces in the room that I feel the Lord wants to put together. And by the end of the sermon, hopefully he will have done that. And we're just going to trust him for it. Amen? Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask you guys this morning, if church is a place where you feel vulnerable, so you kind of tend to not necessarily put up a wall, but it's, it's, it's less of being open, I'm going to say, be vulnerable this morning. Be vulnerable this morning because of the peace that you have might be probably the most important piece to whatever the Lord wants to do this morning. You guys are important. You're very, very important. We are continuing through this book of Romans. My goodness. It has been good up until this point. Um, and Beck did a great job last week of bringing to us Romans 13, 1 through 12. Um, and usually when we break off that much scripture, I'll revisit the chunk three or four times before we move on. Um, but I'm actually going to move to 13 through the end of the chapter. I'm going to read it, and I think for the next two or three weeks, we're going to camp out in this set of scriptures. It's going to be good. I really do. But if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know that we started Romans way back in the day, seems like, uh, a year and some change. Uh, and those first 11 chapters were, were heavy because Paul comes with haymaker after haymaker. Speaking not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and saying, hey, look, everybody's on the same level, all right? So we just need to take a chill pill. That's the par paraphrased version, all right? But in those 11 chapters, there's a ton of doctrine. There's a ton of the Lord's uh, justification, his sanctification, his just, uh, glorification, excuse me. And then in that chapter 11, we see his sovereignty with his people, that he will never forget them. Just like we sang. He's not going to forget Israel. He's not going to forget us. He's not going to forget you. And you know what? Sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow because we don't believe that he's going to not forget us. I have been there. Sometimes I'm there every week. Now, the reason I'm saying that to you this morning is this. When you walk through that front door, I said this to the first service, come in here with the real you. Don't come in here with the fake you or the one that is um, worried about how do I say this the right way? I'm just going to say it. Worried about getting hurt. Worried about getting run over. Worried about getting misused. Worried about, uh, yeah, just getting hurt. And the reason for that is, is the Lord cannot fix something that we want to keep broken. He can't do it. So if we come in here and this place is Easis, let's, let's step into healing. Let's step into that this morning. Um, so us coming in as real as possible. Now, sometimes we're going to come in with stuff. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes it's joyful. Sometimes it's in the dirt. But be who you are this morning. I want to encourage you to do that, to receive this word this morning. Amen? Those first 11 chapters, heavy in doctrine, and then we get to chapter 12. And I have said before, I'm going to say it again, that if we could put chapter 12 into our foundational scriptures, just the whole thing, Right? We got Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, um, Acts 2, 41 through 47, Isaiah 9, 6. Um, if we could put all of Romans 12 in there, I would love to do that. And the reason is because 
it's a practical way of living out what you just got done reading the previous 11 chapters. Same thing happens in the book of Ephesians. You got, uh, some of you guys are like, wow, pastor, we've heard this before. I say it every Sunday. That's okay. I want you guys to get it. Sometimes it takes seven times to remember something, all right? I'm going to say it more than seven times. I'm just going to let you know that. <laughs> but in the chapter, uh, excuse me, the book of Ephesians, same thing. First three chapters, here's who Christ is. Here's why he has made you a saint. Now go live it. Therefore. I said that in these scriptures, there's a therefore. That means everything that has happened up until the point of that therefore needs to be taken into consideration as you read on. It's big. It's big. Chapter 13 was about authority. That guess what? There's no freedom without authority. All authority comes from Christ. All authority comes from his seat. It's a good thing. So we are actually free when we walk under his authority. That's what I'm saying. Walk as a free man. Walk as a free woman. Do that today because of that train wreck that was a good train wreck. A moment of salvation. Amen. But then we jump into chapter 14. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of this chapter is saying, and I'll read it here in a second, not the whole thing, just 13 through the end. That if a man eats vegetables, let him eat vegetables. And if a man eats meat, let him eat meat. But don't judge between the two. And you see in the scripture, it actually explicitly says, look, whatever's good for you is good for you. Whatever's good for me is good for me, as long as he's convinced in his own mind. Right? Now, we can take that scripture and let this narrative within the secular world kind of have a little bit of an influence on what's being spoken here that guess what your truth that's good for you but my truth is good for me and you know what don't impose your truth on me if they don't line up what I want to make sure we do in this chapter 14 is this statement right here um, that chapter 14 is not a declaration of independence okay from God's principles however it is this a declaration of independence from one another's opinions of each other. It really is. Because I'll tell you what, is as you walk through those doors, I hope that this is a place where it's free of judgment. And if it is, I will do everything I can. If there is judgment in here, I will do everything I can to push that out. To let the Lord come in and, and just do what he wants to do with it. You know what? I don't know if it's my job to push it out. I get convicted when I say that right now. <laughs> it's his job to do what he wants to do with it. Because it's his job to do what he wants to do with you. Amen? Amen? So this chapter 14 is not a license to say what's good for me is good for me apart from God. And what's good for you is good for you apart from the Lord. But what it is saying is that if anyone who's dealing with anything should be able to go anywhere, it should be the church. Amen? It should be Eus's Christ Fellowship. But Paul's speaking something to some people here this morning that is, is paramount. You've got to understand his audience. His audience is Christians, okay, with two different backgrounds. The first background is Christians who are of the Jewish culture. So, um, I don't like to use this word legalism, but they're very legalistic. They're very by the book. They're very by the law. They're very, this is how it's supposed to be. And if it's not that way, then there's something wrong with you. Paul spends all of the first part of Romans speaking, not all of it, some of it, to the Jews saying, look, stop. 
Stop. You're not justified by the law. You're justified by Christ. But he's also speaking to pagan Christians from a pagan background, which, to be honest with you, it's just everything that isn't Jewish. So here we have these people who are saying, you know what, it's not good to eat meat. That's a Jewish thing. And then there's other people who are saying, it's okay to eat meat as long as what you are doing is for the Lord. And that right there is the statement I want you guys to take home with this introduction. When you are doing what you're doing, there's two questions that you have to ask yourself. I would almost say just one question. I'm going to say one question. And this question is, is what I'm doing something that I can do for the Lord? And within that, are my motives justified by Scripture? Not by feelings, not by opinion, not by what somebody said from the pulpit way back when or some video that I watched. Is it defined by Scripture? The reason I say that is don't take my word for it. I'm just the guy talking about it today, all right? Don't take my word for it. Is what you are doing for the Lord? That's also in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Man, I do what I do not for man. I don't do what I do to try to get some kind of accolades from somebody who has a limited life. And one day they'll be six feet under just like me. <laughs> I don't answer to them. They don't answer to me. All right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it for Christ. Amen? All right. So let's read this scripture. And this is speaking specifically to judgment within the walls. All right? The reason why Paul is speaking this is because it's an issue. Now, I'll tell you what, it might be an issue today. Matter of fact, I think it is an issue today. But how do we remedy the issue? It comes by way of this title. Get that title back up there real quick. It says kingdom thinking. When I have earthly, fleshly thinking... Man, my first motive is to have some kind of superiority complex in any situation. To put myself above, to make sure that I am just above my situation. And sometimes that means people. And guess what that does? That hurts. It does. Now before we go to the scripture real quick, let me take you to uh, Matthew 6.33, because I want to lead with this instead of end with it like I did last uh, service. Matthew 6.33. Um, we can get that up there. Right on. This is a good one. All scriptures are good. So if you have favorites, let this be one. It says, but seek first. Seek first, not second. Not when you have time off. Not on your break. Not when you have a little bit of time to... Not think about the things that are so pressing in your life that you just squeak this little thought in there. It says, seek first what? The kingdom and his righteousness. The Greek word for righteousness, uh, I know the interpretation of it is that which God has approved. It's escaping me what that Greek word is right now. I'm sorry. I'm nervous. <laughs> but it says, seek first, initially, beginning of the day, his kingdom, everything that is above, and everything that he has already approved. Whoa. How much confidence does that give you? That no matter what you step into, he's already approved of it because you sought it out and he said yes. Man, that's a mode of operation that I want to be in 24-7. 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. Not half, not three quarters. Whether you're a glass half full, half empty, I don't care. All of it. And it's going to be an overflow. Anybody in here want the overflow? No? Got a couple people. Maybe we've got some first rowers. What about you guys? I see you smiling. Okay. Nodding back there. You guys catch me on that? Let's turn back to this, this Romans real quick. I'm going to read all of these verses 13 uh, to 23. And you guys know that's a big chunk. We don't normally do that here. Um, so forgive me. Because I get not bored when I read, but I only want to concentrate on a little bit. And he's saying, look, read the whole thing, son. So here's what it says. Here we go. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Man, do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Wow. Therefore, do not let what is for a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's a big one right there. For he who is in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God. And here we go. Approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. Alright. Lots going on there. I don't know if I have time. There's so much. But again, this is a declaration of independence from opinions. It really is. Do you know that we have no jurisdiction to declare each other holy? I can't declare you holy. I can't just walk up to Valerie and be like, you know what, because you came in and you looked the way you look and you did what you did this week, hey, you're holy. All right? <laughs> can't do it. The only way that we are declared holy is through faith by God, by Jesus himself. So we leave that up to him. For me to judge somebody's holiness, wow. I want to say this, you're playing with fire. Playing with fire because you're playing with that which is, uh, that which Jesus owns in his authority. You catch that one? But if we go all the way back up to verse 13. Remember I said the therefore? There's an aspect of us relinquishing our opinion, our right to ourselves, what we think, in this verse 13. It says, therefore, let. There's a lot in those two, two words right there. Um, because of the world that we live in, it, it, 
you guys ever, ever see the shirts that, are, that say self-made, made by me, like I'm working on me, 2000, hashtag 2018. <laughs> Please stop. Just stop. Those make me crazy because as this says, let us, he's asking us to completely, I'm going to use this word, divorce building yourself up on your own accord. I don't like using that word divorce, but I'm going to use it right now in reference to that. Divorce the notion that you can get this done and don't revisit it. It's dead for a reason. It needs to be dead for a reason. Okay? But he's saying there's something in you that you have to do that I've taken care of it on my end. Christ says, I'm going to judge and leave that up to me. But what I want you to do is I want you to just let go of putting any kind of opinion on anyone sitting in these pews or anyone else in the body of Christ. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather, it says, determine this. How many more Sundays, days, whatever the case may be, will we continue to be in the process of being persuaded? Are you continuing to being, are you, are you in the process of being persuaded by Christ still? Or have you come to a decision? I'm asking you this morning to come to a decision. To not be persuaded anymore. But determine something. Land on something. Determine this. Not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Amen. Now see if we go back to what Beck preached last Sunday. The very first verse, verse 1 here, says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith. And then it goes on to talk about those who eat meat and those who eat vegetables. And hey, guess what? Just let them eat. Whatever the case may be, let them eat. But here is, here is the, the point from that first verse is that the one who is weak in faith is actually the one who decides that they want to bring the judgment. The one who's weak in faith is the one who's actually saying meat is better. The one who's weak in faith is saying that vegetables are better. Because what it does is it takes us down to these very small, very insignificant things, and we lack what? Kingdom thinking. We lack, king, we, we lack thinking that is not of here. I love this. Beck used this. I always use it as well. Do you know that you're not from here? You're just not. So why would we try to think like we are? Why would we try to have a mode of operation or a, a way of thinking that is of this world when we're not, we're not of, the, of this world? We may be in it. That's what scripture says. We live in it, but we're not of it. What are we? Spiritual beings, right? So that means we need to have spiritual thinking. When we have spiritual thinking, judgment doesn't even get a vote. It's not even there. You guys struggling with me? Yeah, I haven't used that one in a little bit. I always just say amen, but I need to switch it up. You trucking with a brother. All right. But yes, therefore let us not judge one another. And it says, make a decision not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. That being weak in faith and saying that this is the it and it's the only thing that will allow you to experience God... Or saying that this is the only background that you can have in order to step into the church. Man, that's one that gets under my skin. 
that you have to be or look a certain way. Here's, here's another one. You have to be qualified to come to Christ. Do you know that he qualifies you to come to him? Who am I to say that you're qualified or disqualified? That is not our mode of operation. What our job is to do, Romans chapter 12, let love be without hypocrisy. Yeah, it's big. You guys, you guys with me? Come on now. You head nodders, second service head nodders. I hear you. I see you. Whatever the case may be. To put something like that in front of a fellow believer becomes a stumbling block. And what's being spoken here, as, as you got to remember, Paul speaking to Jews who are Christians. He's also speaking to pagans who are Christians. He's saying, let this not be a part of the walk. Let this not be a part of the race. Let this not be a part of how we interact with one another. However, what's the remedy for this? I've said it. I'm going to say it again. It's taking your mind from things that are carnal to things that are supernatural. Amen? Amen. How do you do that, though? Anybody? Well, I'll make it rhetorical because we might have like 25 answers. Everyone wants to say something. That's why you come back on Sunday night because there's a mic right there and you can get up and say not necessarily whatever you want, but you have freedom to say things. But how would you do that? How, how do you step in to kingdom thinking? To be honest with you, um, it's a very simple answer. I would say it comes out of John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my word, okay, my word abides in you. What does that word abide mean? It means home. In my house, I have everything that's valuable to me. I have everything that belongs to me. It's where I return to lay my head to rest. So if he's saying that you return to lay your head to rest on me, and that which is me is in you, lives in you, is valuable in you, stays in you, is stored up in you, then the kingdom is what comes. And his will be done. Amen? So I'm saying kingdom thinking, ladies and gentlemen, is that even on your radar? Sometimes it might be, sometimes it might not. Guess what? For me, it's not on my mind all the time. I'll be honest with you. I'm the guy up front with the microphone who's supposed to be perfect, and he is not perfect. Let me let you in on something. Okay? <laughs> I am not perfect. <laughs> People are like, what? No, brother. Yes, it's a true thing. But when you have Genesis to Revelation in you and the conviction of the word comes through you, kingdom thinking is a product of that. Now the next part of this title says, Stewards of Liberty. The God that we serve will not force you to do anything. Do you know what liberty is? Liberty is just freedom. He gave us one of the greatest gifts to mankind. Not only himself and his life and what he did for us, but this thing called free will. The ability to choose, the ability to say yes or no, to decide in our own limited mind what's right and wrong, even though that's not good. It's according to what scripture says. Nonetheless, he gave us the ability to choose, right? So in this moment of salvation, this moment of a beautiful, exquisite train wreck where these two natures in us finally collide and the spirit wins and the flesh dies... See, that's, I want to make sure we get that one. The spirit won 
the flesh is dead, right? <laughs> There's uh, areas of our lives that we live as if it's backwards, right? But I'm going to say at that moment of salvation, when you are free, you become a free individual, you now have the responsibility, like it says, therefore let, it's on us, we have the responsibility to be good stewards of that freedom. You do have the, the, the freedom to give your opinion. Don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean shut up and not talk about anything. Okay, that, that is not what I'm saying. But what it does say, is, what, it, what it is saying is that being a steward of the freedom that's been given to you means not placing something in front of somebody that is so insignificant that it makes them stumble. Because underneath it all, you don't answer to me at the end of the day. I don't answer to you. You answer to the Lord. And I'm telling you what, if that don't shake your bones, whew, come on, buddy. You guys struggling with me on that? Yeah. To be able to stand before him holy and blameless, the only way that's possible is through Christ. The only way. But parts of this scripture... Uh, let me get to this. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no, long, no longer walking according to love. If because I think I was a worship pastor for six years, that worship is the best part of the Sunday morning, and I start communicating that to other people, then guess what? The food that I'm eating can cause another brother to hurt because it's so much about worship and not about the word. It's so much about worship and not about prayer. Or we could move it on to other things. Like there's people who just want to pray all day. And that's great. Amen. Keep praying. But then get up off your feet and go do what you're praying about. Feel me? I just go do it. It can't be all about one thing. And it's never about one thing even in the, in the body as, it's, as, it, excuse me, as it is explained in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. The proper working of each individual part. The hand can't say to the foot, look, bro. I don't need you right now. Yes, you do. Because if you want to get something on the top shelf, guess what you got to stand on? Me. <laughs> Same thing. I can't say to Sarah, look, we just, I'm sorry. First of all, I would never say that. Okay? So let's just get that straight. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would never say that. But you guys catch what I'm saying. When the body says something to the body that, hey, look, I don't need you, that's where cancer sets in. But when the body is in alignment, and the proper working of each individual part is prevalent, the food does not, excuse me, hurt. And then we are what? Walking according to love. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Nobody can bring you to Christ but Christ. He's the only one who beckons you to that moment. Right? He took care of that. Now in this moment, that, that train wreck was so unforgettable. Because you come to a place where you just realize how insignificant you are. And how your way of doing things just, <laughs> sorry, doesn't work whatsoever. And you put on Christ. You put him on. From that standpoint, when it says, do not destroy with your legalism somebody who's new in their faith, someone who just came to Christ, saying, look, here's how you're supposed to do it. Here's, here's the way it is because of some things that I've done or the things that I believe to be 
the right thing, which end up being stumbling blocks rather than stepping stones. That's what that scripture is saying. Don't destroy what the Lord already put up. Now, I, uh, let's just say this. You're not that cool. You can't destroy what the Lord put up. <laughs> All right? You can't destroy what the Lord established. However, our legalism can cause somebody to have a perception of what church is and then we spend so many years trying to, again, divorce our church relationship or our church experience, let me say that. Um, you guys with me this morning? Because this is for good. It says in verse 16, Therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of evil. And this, verse 17, like I haven't really been able to get past this. For the kingdom of God has nothing to do with what you eat and what you drink. Not eating and drinking, but again, righteousness, that which God has approved. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. you got to have the Holy Spirit. And that's something you got to be praying for every day. Holy Spirit, just come. I don't care how you come, but just, I need you. Let that be something that's more than just a Sunday morning thing. Not saying that it is for you guys. For he who is in this way serves Christ is acceptable to both parties. Colossians 3, 24. Again, I don't do what I do for men. I do it for God. But when you do that which God has approved, you're actually approved by men too. So why don't we just get the order of operations correct? Why don't we just do that correctly? And here's, here's kind of the last verse I want to be able to speak on uh, to you guys. This morning, and it's verse 19. It says, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. The beginning of the message or the chunk of scripture in verse 13 says, Therefore, therefore let us be, excuse me, I gotta get back to it real quick. Therefore, let us not judge one another, but rather determine this. And then we want to know what it means to have kingdom thinking and to walk in it. It says, then we pursue the things which are for peace. We pursue the things that are for building up of each other. Those are things that we run a hundred miles an hour after. We're running after life and not death. We're running after the kingdom. When you have kingdom thinking, you pursue the things of righteousness, you pursue the things of peace, you pursue the things of joy, you pursue the things of Christ, period. You pursue his character. Does that make sense this morning? So I'm going to ask you this question as we kind of get ready to close here this morning. Um, what are you in pursuit of today? That that Matthew 6.33 scripture about seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything will be added to you. And it says this in 19 again. So then we are in pursuit of those very things. It's very hard to be in pursuit of those things when the flesh is up front. But what does Romans 12 two say? Be transformed by the renewing of your what? Kingdom thinking. So that the freedom that has been given to you can be stewarded well. Can be stewarded with... Excellence, 
can be stewarded to a point where the result is the building up of one another. The building up of the body of Christ in love. Verse 16 of Romans 4. That's the whole thing right there. That's what it's all about. So I'm just going to challenge you guys this morning. If there's any place in your life where it is not kingdom thinking, to let the Lord do something to you in that. To let him convict you in it first. Because revival in any area of our life starts with repentance. The places where we're dead, there's got to be a little bit of repentance there before we can get on up. The Lord wants you to get up. Hey, guess what? Get up this morning. Seriously. Those of you who are dead in air, get up. I'm I'm asking you to get up and walk out of the tomb. The Lord's beckoning you forward today and saying, hey, look, there's time that is being lost. You remember the message, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, the end of 13? The time is now. We can no longer be asleep. Because when we're asleep, guess what? Because we are his hands and feet, when he taps on your shoulder to go talk to the kid who's about five days away from going and shooting up a school, or the guy who, like I said, or we all know in Las Vegas, top of a, a hotel, I believe the Lord sent hordes of people. Because you get the question, why would God let something like that happen? Well, he sent his hands and feet. Are we paying attention? The time is now. But we got to come with this kingdom thinking. But the result of that not happening is a hurt body. It's a malnourished body. And so just, I'm just appealing to you guys this morning, um, asking you to get right on that one, on your thinking. There's areas I got to get right on. Come on, with my thinking. <laughs> Because the flesh sometimes has a little bit more of a, uh, uh, a voice than, than what's from Genesis to Revelation. And that's not good. It's just not good. But what we cannot do is let that snowball into something that all of a sudden now we are thinking about our value and oh, we're so bad. and th- Just stop. You know what the kingdom says? Let me show you what the kingdom says real quick. Okay? <laughs> I'm saying it. Telling you what it what it is, but it says this in verse eight. Excuse me, chapter eight, verse fourteen. This is kingdom thinking. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Okay, that's kingdom thinking. That's what the kingdom says about you. That's not what you say about you. It's what God says about you. Can we have the same narrative? I think so. Can we have the same thought? I think so. And then some of that, uh, the rest of those, those scriptures there talk about us being co-heirs, being children of God. That's a state of being. When you receive Christ, that doesn't change. It stays the same. Kingdom thinking, ladies and gentlemen, please let us be that. Because the result is a healthy body. The result is the proper working of each individual part. Because of what we read, it says, therefore, it's on us not to judge one another. For the kingdom of God is not piddly stuff. The kingdom of God is not somebody's baggage. 
and how we have to pick through it. The kingdom of God is not what you say about yourself that isn't from Scripture. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness. It is love. It is peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. So seek that first. Seek it right off the top. Amen? Come on now. So we're going to uh, close, start closing the service. If we could get uh, ready for our offering and communion back up here. Worship team, come back up. There's just a lot of people to ask to do stuff. My goodness. It's good though. Got volunteers. Um, you know, at the beginning of the service, there was extended worship, and the Lord was just moving. And I said to you guys that there's a piece that each one of you has that as the, the pieces get put together, um, it gives us kind of what the Lord is doing in the moment. Um, I believe that in that time, the Lord dropped some stuff into you. And I'm just going to, as we, you guys can come up here, uh, begin to close here, to... Uh, uh, let the Lord bring that back up to the surface. And we'll just see what he wants to do with that. You guys can step all the way up. Um, let's just get into this, this this morning. Father, thank you so much for this time that we have to worship you um, in the way that we give. And Lord, even in finances, it's, it's an issue in the, uh, in the Bible that you speak of almost more than yourself. Because you don't want it to be something that is a God. And Lord, it, it doesn't even have to be money. There's things that you say, don't let this be a God over me. And Lord, I, I pray that no matter what we do from the opening of service to the end of service and everything in between, that nothing becomes a stumbling block. That nothing becomes something so small and insignificant that it robs us of kingdom thinking. That it robs us of having our minds set fully and completely on you. So, Father, as we pass this plate, I pray that our mind is fully and completely set on you. And what is put in there is, is put in from a joyful standpoint. That's what you say to us. Give joyfully. You see that. You know our motive. So, Father, as we give, we give it to you. It's all yours anyway. <laughs> My goodness. It's all yours anyway. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.